Listening to Tabletop and Beyond with your host Justin. But before we get started, how was your geek week? And co-hosts Dan and Jason. You have to be willing to let the dice help you tell the story. Okay, look, this year I'm going to stop mispronouncing words. Join us as we cover board games to war games and beyond. And welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. I am your host, Justin. I have got a full crew today. We got Jason, Dan Herrera as usual, and special guest, Justin Orton. Welcome to the show, everybody. Happy to be here. here. How's it going? So, Justin, this is your first time on the show, and I'm going to say at first you were a little reluctant to come on. Yeah, I'm a little shy about um, (laughs) (laughs) presenting. Uh, Um when it's focused on me at all <laughs> i can present fine if it's a subject that's external to me but uh when we talked through it and and i thought um man the the warhammer world experience is just so cool folks need to hear about it that kind of yeah. one sold me to uh the idea of coming on there we go yeah, and we're really excited to talk about that. We had probably, well, it definitely was the biggest Warhammer tournament that has been out since the game came out in 2019. And so we're really excited to talk with you about your experience over there. The fact that you flew to England and played in this giant tournament with some pretty big names in the industry in terms of Games Workshop folks. Um I think it's really cool. Dan's got some insights because I know he did live shows with the uh, kind of the tournament, and we're trying to follow it from Best Coast Pairings from here. And uh, it still kind of irks me a little bit, Dan, that like they don't publish the results. Like you can't see the placings. You have to like backwards math it. Yeah, you're either subscribe. Yeah. Actually, that is what I did, so you're right. <laughs> I was going to say, well, if you're subscribed to Best Coast Pairings, they do, but no, you're right. They they don't, actually. It's just if you have BCP, you can go in there and do the deduction yourself, but <laughs> they don't make it easy for you. It's true. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, we'll get to all of that, but uh, as always, how is your hobby table? Jason, we'll kick it off with you. We'll just go down the line. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. So I've mentioned before on another episode that uh, my daughter uh, is a um, big Death Note fan, right? She's coming back from from college for uh, for the holidays. And I 3D printed a Ryuk statue, which is the Death Note, the main Death Note demon whose who's nice. notebook it is. And I put it, I printed it at a size and I put it inside of a snow globe with like a dark <laughs> purple black glitter and uh like a foggy look so she's um that was that's going to be my home craft uh for her that she'll be and i put a little uh can, uh what are those things called like tea lights you know like yeah. little oh, candy yep. tea lights so uh it, you can turn it on like at night and it kind of glows behind the silhouette of ryuk so that i finished uh that was my that took a lot of my time this week but i'm happy i got it ready to get under the tree for christmas that's very cool I don't even want to begin, like, did you have to fill it with, like, a medium, like, so the glitter would float in it? Yeah, so you can do, I, there were two approaches, right? You can do water, and then you put a little bit of glycerin, 
and the glycerin just kind of th- uh, thickens the water a little bit so that which kind of sounds funny to say that but it kind of like gives it a little bit more viscosity if you will so that uh-huh. the glitter just kind of slowly falls but I actually I actually went a different route and um, what I did was I, I, I left it as a dry snow globe so I paint I, I painted the back half a circle on the back half of the globe with just glue and then I poured like this dark purple black purplish glitter on the back so that there's like a wall of glitter. Oh, cool. And then he is just kind of posed, kind of crouching down on his knees right in the middle. And then I, I like, I airbrushed some, um, some fog or some like a pillow, you know, crap you can pull out of the pillow filling mm-hmm. and oh, kind yeah. of, and put that around him. So it looks like there's this like purplish smoke coming out of the ground and he's just stand like kind of squatting in the middle of the smoke. And then I put the tea light candle just behind him, so you turn it on, it it bounces off of the glitter and hits his silhouette in the front. It turned out pretty good. I'll, I'll take a picture of something we can put on the Instagram, but I'm pretty happy with it. I'm glad I decided to go the dry route versus the wet route. Um, I just think it's a little more probably portable for her in college. But uh, good stuff. Yeah, it was fun. Cool. It is harder to yeah. kill a man. Such a good dad. <laughs> fun fun times. Yeah. That's it for me. Very good, very good. Justin Orton, what is on your hobby table? Um, I ha- just finished painting and basing the Dominion box for the um, Stormcast. Oh, nice. So okay. I'm excited to get them on the table uh, and try to design a team for that uh, capitalizes on their strengths. Of which uh, there namely, are many. That Dominion yeah. box has a lot of really strong warbands you can build. Yeah. The goal is to build a team that can take on monsters. <laughs> That's a which those um those thunders uh, not the thunder strike the um, annihilators are pretty awesome that way. Oh yeah, for sure. Because yeah. they they're beefy. They're beefy. I mean, if, if as a chimera, having played a chimera, that you know those things actually put fear into you <laughs> if you're if you're playing yeah. against them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, one of the few models that really does line up very well against the best fighter in the game. Yeah. Yep. Very good. I've got I've got they're staring at me right now as you're speaking. Hopefully they didn't hear you speaking because <laughs> next thing I know they're going to like start poking me with their little uh vindictor spears and tell me to paint them. Nice. You know. <laughs> so, they, what's funny about that box is it started out as not a very good war band. Because those Vindictors were um, not very good point-wise. And, uh, you know, but they the, in the new edition, they definitely got a buff. Definitely got a buff. Yeah, Vindictors are amazing now. And, yeah. uh, and Annihilators, too. And they were both, I mean, you said it already, but yeah, nearly unplayable in first mm-hmm. edition. I wrote a, uh, a uh, suggestion, not a complaint, I guess, to the Warcry um GW team in the first edition and said, you know, I play with my kids and the Stormcast are the coolest uh, good guys and yet they're just not that good on the table. Please revise them so they feel like real Stormcast for the sake of the children. <laughs> and that, I think they did. <laughs> so the moral of the story is if you want something done, just give it to, to Justin Orton and he will... 
he'll get it in the ear as games works out, right? Yeah, my You've next gotta... e- my next email is going to be for the Lumineth, I think. There you go. <laughs> they need some help. <laughs> they do. For sure. For they sure. don't feel the like ancient warriors. <laughs> the stone guys, yes, I agree. But the, the blade lords, they don't feel like blade lords. And, and you're right in that the stone guys might be good, but they're not good in the way they're supposed to be good, right? They should cost... 30 more points and do 30 more points worth of stuff. Right. I mean, yeah. it should feel like a mountain coming down on you, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I do like the, um, what is the, the, her, I, I say this one, the hurricane wind runners, like the mounted units. Oh, cool. they don't I have the mount, those yet. They don't have the mount rune mark, but they've got like 10 movement. And um, so they're, they're pretty good that way. They just don't, pack much and they of a fly, punch, I think. I think. They don't. Oh. But yeah. they're but they can take a hit. They're not terrible. Like they're not like the um the shrikes or the you know from um the sisters, uh, not sisters, the um daughters of Cain. They're not like the shrikes that like can move really far but they only have eight wounds and toughness of three or something like that. They can they can move and take a hit, but they That's true. Are, they're are legitimate sorts. treasure carriers, yeah. I think is what you're getting yeah. at. That's yep. true. So, but that's a that's a topic for another day. <laughs> we can... Yeah. <laughs> Too many things to talk about. Too many things to talk about. But I am excited to see your stormcast, Justin. You'll have to share it in the uh, Discord when you, um, when you get them painted up, or right. even some work in progress photos. Hit show us to them. All right, I'll I'll, I'll load them up, for sure. Yeah, good stuff. Dan, how was your, how's your hobby table looking? Doing great. I am currently, as we speak, painting meat trees uh, from the Sundered Fate box. Um, they are... So when they show them to you on those tables, you can't really tell much except that three trees don't really cover the table all that well. Right. And that is that is actually true, I found. I built the whole box and put it on a board, and the board is pretty sparse, Um but what I will say about them is that in person, they're much, much bigger than you can tell in the picture, right? Because scale is always tough when it, you only have minis for scale, yeah. um, you know, comparing to other minis. But in person, they're incredibly impressive. And then there's these little treehouse situations, like I'm holding this little bamboo hut that's built on one of these meat trees and... Yeah, they're, they're very cool, and they paint really well because they're just so friendly to dry brushing, and uh, I guess you could do contrast on them, although, you know, it's a lot of surface area to cover with some very expensive paint. Yeah. I was going to say, use... that's an expensive uh, <laughs> endeavor. Yeah, so I'm not doing that. I'm using opaque paints, and actually kind of, uh, you know, I've been mostly painting with contrast lately, so it's kind of fun to break out the traditional paints and remember that there's a lot of really cool stuff that you can do with them. So everybody yeah. wants to know what's your bamboo recipe. I have only done the meat trees so far. So okay. I'll tell you my meat tree recipe. Okay. Okay. First I, I spray painted the whole thing like electric orange. Hmm. Uh, wow. Okay. Then, this is different. Then I took a mag- half Vallejo charred Brown half, Vallejo Warlord Purple, which is like their dark magenta, mix that up to get like kind of a a maroon type of thing, yeah. um, but very saturated, a little brownish maroon, and 
put some glaze medium, put that over everything so that the orange was still showing through right on the raised edges. Because with glaze medium, you can turn any opaque paint into a, essentially a contrast paint, right? Yeah. And then um, they work a little different than contrast paints, but that's not worth getting into here. And then, and then I just dry brushed uh, this kind of brownish green pastel color that I did from mixing a bunch of paints, dry brushed that over it, and then uh, did another lighter dry brush up by the tops and then glazed that green again so that they kind of transition from this very meaty, like orange and magenta, which are skin colors, right? Um, this kind of very fleshy, dark fleshy tone into a more greenish hue on the branches. So I'm really happy with how it's coming out. And very cool. I don't know how, I, how I'll do the claws, but yeah. Like I did them so like far. a bone color. Oh, sure. Okay. So it looked like bones kind of growing out of the trees a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So. A, a little insider uh, knowledge on the, the trees themselves. I talked to Phil Kelly one of the Warcry creators at uh, Warhammer World. And I asked him, why aren't the trees um, involved in the rules as far as, you know, you have them with claws and you're painting them with blood and they're supposed to be these things that attack you. And um, he said they strongly considered making the trees interactive in that way that they would lash out at, at, at soldiers. But um, uh, he they didn't want to disincentivize folks from getting up and playing on the on the bridges because mm -hmm. they felt like that was so thematic that's a great decision yeah i you know what they could have done is uh put some twist cards in there that would have made them um like meat eaters or something like that like where the... if you were if you ended your activation within a certain range that you had to roll the dice we've played several twists like that recently like I got caught in a lightning storm my last game, and I had several guys die to lightning strikes. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, and I mean, you could do something with the trees where it's like not every game, but hey, we got the twist this time, and it's fun to do. Like they've or awakened. With the, yeah. yeah, one thing with the meat eater twist is you could have it if someone gets taken down within three inches of them, something crazy happens. Because uh, that would be like they're eating the meat of the fallen soldier. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Like oh, that's a good idea. I that all... way it wouldn't punish you for walking up to them, right? It would only punish you for dying near them. Right. I also thought um, and I, that it would be fun if you you roll a die like for fall damage, and on a one or a two, they lash out at you, and they knock you six inches away. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. So you, you, you kind of fly away. And maybe like a D6 damage, and you go like d6 inches away or something like that that'd be yeah. kind of cool yeah so i think that there could have been some really cool twists with the terrain um but i think it like i echo what you said dan like not having them be the like perennial um you know damage dealers was a good choice yeah they i i i think his words is they wanted that indiana jones moment fighting on those bridges and and where you can cut the bridges down and just have these epic moments. Yeah. Nice. That'd be cool. Very cool. Uh, let's see. For my hobby table, uh, I was able to sit down. I've, I had a holiday party on Monday that ended at 2, and I was like, there's no way I'm going back to the office. And we had a war cry night at starting at like 5 or 5.30. So I just went to the shop, and I started um, 
really painting my Rottmeyer Creed because it's just been something I needed to do. So I spent some time and got most of their green cloaks done, and I'm super happy with that. And uh, just had a great time painting at the hobby shop um, while some other people were playing board games around me. They kept looking at me like I was a super weirdo, and I kept looking at them like, my drone business, I'm painting here. <laughs> you know? <laughs> You're inspiring people. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, um, but yeah, no, it was it was pretty good. I, I enjoyed uh, painting the cloaks and having a good time and listening to, like, Iron Maiden while I was doing it. So, you know, good times. They are good a cool-looking warband, too. They are. I mean, in, I think that they've got a good balance of detail on the models. You know what I mean? Because if you look at it, it seems like they're very detailed. But when you come down to it, they really have cloak, skin, and bamboo. Like, that's really, like, I mean, a couple of them have some pouches, a couple of them have blow dart guns, but that's still, like, another reed or bamboo or something. And if you can come up with a decent kind of bamboo recipe, like, they're actually not that hard to paint, and they still look really good. So, they're deceptively detailed, in my opinion. Yeah, it saves you a lot of time switching paints when there's just a few schemes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, well, it sounds like we have our hands full. I've got um, the new box coming in myself, Dan. Um, I was I had ordered it from a friend, and he had it ready, and I missed his message for like two weeks. And I'm like, dude, where's my box? He's like, I've been waiting for you to pay me. I'm like, oh, whoops. <laughs> Here's my money, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> so, but once I got that figured out, like it should be here in a day or so. So I'm excited about that. I just need to... Um, build a terrain and I was telling Justin before the show that um, in classic Monopoly fashion I found out yesterday that uh, it's kind of like bank error in your favor you received 40 extra hours of leave that you need to take before the end of the year so I said oh well that's pretty awesome so as of like midday on Monday I'm done for the rest of the year nice that's awesome that's I a would... lot of painting yeah, I would wonder if I would tell my wife. And... Oh, dude, the the problem is, is what am I gonna? Where am I gonna go? I I I should go into work and just go to the game store. Yeah, you're gonna go paint and exactly right. Because because I I did I'll, I'll be honest, I did make the mistake of telling her I was so excited about it, and she's like, "Oh, that means that we've got so much time for stuff." And I'm like, "No, dang it." Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, and she's like, "We should go somewhere." I'm like, "I am not going anywhere. No way." No way. So we'll see how much painting I get done. The plan is to get a lot because I have a lot to do. But I'm excited about that. All right, cool. Um, well, sounds like we've all got some good stuff on the hobby table. Let's talk about Chaos Legionnaire. So the last couple shows we did, Rottmeyer Creed, Horns of Heshut, and now we're doing Chaos Legionnaires. All three of these warbands sort of came out at the same time. So I think it's fair to kind of do a comparison with them. They're really the first warbands that came out in 2.0 and really within like a month of the drop of 2.0, the first month. So um, they're kind of an indication, in my opinion, of warbands to come, especially like the bespoke ones. And we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see how they do. But let's talk about Chaos Legionnaire. So first off, let's talk about the aesthetic of them. Dan, I don't think that you were the biggest fan of the stack of these Chaos Legionnaires, if I'm not mistaken. I did, in fact, make an entire video making fun of them. It's true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't hate them, but they're they're not my fave. Um, 
and I know a lot of people who really love them. So I don't want to spend time bad mouthing them here because I know a lot of folks. This is like their absolute jam. Well, I think I think your issue, and I think that this is a fair critique. I really do. I think your issue, if I'm not mistaken, is you felt like they're over designed. Um, they, there's like yeah. spikes and and buckles and you know like just things everywhere that you've got to do with like little details, which is a kind of a classic slaves to darkness type of thing. Anyway, you've got like plenty of spikes and buckles and horns and, you know, brass things here, silver things there and, you know, iron things there. And, um, so I, I can see what you're saying in, in terms of it being over, over designed, but you're right. There are a lot of people who really like it. Um, Jason and, and Justin, what do you guys think of it aesthetically? I like the aesthetic. Um, I don't think it feels very unique from other uh, Slaves of Darkness, so maybe mm-hmm. it kind of fits in well with that kind of chaos STD. I love saying wow, that. Wow, wow. Uh, yeah. Hey, this yeah. is a family show, buddy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, overload that acronym, but uh, I think I like – I think I would explore paint schemes other than the box art to to mm. go with what I would feel for it. The box art paint scheme's a little kind of um, just um, par for the course for me for what they look like. But uh, I like the concept of, you know, big dudes who have spikes. Well, not well, even little dudes who have spikes that are kind of lending towards the chaos of patching crap all over them um, as they move away from kind of maybe a unified approach towards just uh, making it happen. It's not bad. I I wouldn't buy them to paint them. They're, I'd go with other ones first, but uh, I don't mind it. Fair enough. Justin, what do you think? Uh, I think they look pretty cool. I I think that uh, the, the flare is very Slaneshi, though. Um, mm, I could point. see them more. Which one's argue, the flare? Or the flare. I mean, they all have all these little non-functional designs you, all over you mean like arm. office space like they each have 11 pieces of flair yes uh, as per corporate <laughs> instruction. flare oh yep. flare that's yeah right. yeah got it the the got tchotchkes it. factor <laughs> yeah right. like look at me i'm special it's very histrionic yeah. and very slaneshi um mm-hmm. but i mean in their defense they might argue we're just trying to scare people and look tough but uh, that, that's the impression I get. They're just trying to, it's a fear factor in their armor. Yeah. But tough guys don't care about that in my, in, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you looked at Conan the Barbarian. He doesn't wear any of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's true. I, I like your assessment of the Slanesh here because it definitely does not look Zinchi. It definitely does not look Nurgly. Um, you could make an argument for some corn in there, maybe. I was gonna, yeah, I would say I see some corn. Um, but Slanesh, I could, I could definitely see that. Yeah, for sure. You guys are so. definitely making me think about how maybe if I painted them in a god-marked way, maybe I'd like them better. Maybe as Zinch Chaos Legionnaires or as Corn Chaos Legionnaires. Yeah. Could I could see myself liking it more, but um. I mean, Jason, yeah, like like you said, I would just have other things to do before I would ever get to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. I do like the kind of brigandine armor, right? Which is kind of the studded leather armor. I think that that looks um, very Legionnaire-esque, you know? Um, For sure. They and... look great. Yeah. yeah. I think should have brigandine. I actually... I, I'll give you that part. More yeah. more GW stuff. Because it was the second most common armor for like a long time in the Middle Ages. Um, yeah. And yet very little GW stuff has it. Right. And um, I do like the big like double-handed axes, you know, and double-handed maces type of thing. Like you just don't see giant great axes like that too often on a lot of models in Warcry. Um, there's There's some out there like... You know, there, there's some out there, but it, it's cool to kind of see these, like, giant axes. They, they kind of made my heart happy to see that. So, I like it. I like it. It feels chaosy. So. I do yeah. say the choice yeah. of the um, Brigandine armor means I, I, they should have a lower armor rating. I've been watching a pretty cool, a pretty fascinating YouTube series on armor versus arrows. And they are shooting um, actually real made uh, or realistically um, recreated arrows and armor from famous medieval battles and this stuff would be like armor level two <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> well maybe they've got chainmail underneath and you just don't see it chainmail chainmail is armor level one <laughs> dang it okay <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, there goes that. Um, all right. So let's talk about the functionality of that armor and things like that. So across the board, um, they're pretty much toughness level four, with the exception of every model that has a shield. So that's your horn shields and the, I'm going to mispronounce this all night long, the Decuriarch, which is the leader. Um, he has a shield. So they're toughness five. Um, do you think that that toughness is about right? In what way? Do you mean like verisimilitude-wise? Do you mean just gameplay-wise? What do you mean? Point-wise. Uh, yeah, what do you... yeah, I mean, so here's the deal. Rottmeyer Creed has a toughness of four across the board, right? Um, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, most of the Horns of Heshut also have toughness four across the board. So these guys do as well. Now... I guess looking at them, they seem a little bit more armor clad than the other guys, except for maybe the horns of Hushut. Sure. I mean, flavor wise, they should be tougher than some of those guys, but you know, you can, you can get to five on them when you want mm -hmm. to, you know, if, if you want to have a tough version of the warband. Um, I think this warband in particular is better off with the less tough version uh, with the harder hitting guys, but uh -huh. you know, you can, you can build a really durable version of this warband if you want to. Yeah. From from a aesthetic, which I think is what you're getting for flavor-wise, yeah. it makes sense to me that if somebody's got a shield, they have a five. Uh, yeah. Especially, you know, if they're not bare-skinned holding a shield, then they're a five. These guys aren't. Because I think of, like, ghouls that are toughness three uh, and, and nobblers, those are, like, just bare-skinned folk, right? Bare-skinned folk are, like, three and two in this game right right if you have kind of anything on you that's more than just a shirt you're a four it just flavor wise i think kind of across the board and then if you you put you know a shield to that a five it makes sense to me now i'm not talking about like point balance or anything like that i'm just talking about flavor yeah. of, yeah, of yeah. the guys yeah 
Yeah. Well, there's three types of units that, well, I guess four. There's there's really four types of units of uh, fighters in this Chaos Legionnaires. There's your leader, who's the Dakariarch. There's the, we call him Goat Boy, but it's the uh, Mutandor with Beast Spear. You have your Horn Helms, which are kind of your mid-tier fighters. And then you have your Horn Shields, which are, I'm, I'm putting this in loose air quotes, chaff. Um, even though they don't really fit in the chaff model 100 percent. Mm-hmm. so uh let's talk about the leader though let's talk about the decury arc uh dan like what are your thoughts on on this leader i found him to be pretty solid he can um he can kind of hold his own against a mm-hmm. lot of different sized fighters um the the problem that so many fighters in the bespoke warbands have is that 20 wounds toughness four and then costing like 180 175 stuff like that is a lot of things kill that and yeah i know it's only two more wounds and one more toughness but this guy feels like your odds of getting a second set of swings in with him right most of them will just get to attack once and then they'll be dead before they've really attacked twice this guy almost always gets to attack twice um and i think for that reason I like him in ways that a lot of the bespoke leaders I don't really like. Um, so he's cool. Yeah. He's not, you know, if I was looking for, if I was casting around for allies in chaos and I had around that points value left, he wouldn't be in my top choices for, you know, an ally that I need to get into a different warband. But as far as, you know, being locked into taking him, if you want to take this faction, it doesn't feel like attacks, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I have a lot of good points there. Jason, you've played against this faction twice now. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of the leader? Um, he's something to pay attention to, uh, for sure. Um, well, once we learned to do his double correctly, uh, that was that was a fun, <laughs> fun learning experience. That you know, he actually burns himself. But um, I, I think that he is one of those fighters that I look at on the board when I'm playing and think, okay, I, I have, I have to kind of pay attention because if I use, if I use chaff to kind of control movement with him, they're probably going to die, uh, in one engagement round with him. Um, but I also look, kind of look at him and think, you know, unless you are a hot roller, which you can happen in a dice game, I can also go toe to toe with him with a little bit of a bigger guy, uh, for a couple rounds. I could survive on him, but, uh, so he's something to pay attention to. He's not like he's not like the kind of leader that it's like, oh my gosh, I have to avoid that leader at all costs, or any anybody that engages with him is just gone. Uh, that's he's not that kind of a feel. He's just a little bit of a tougher version of his other soldiers. Yeah, I mean, I think he's the big bad in this in this group, though, right? Which isn't really that big, though. Right. I think that's that's a great point. Yeah. yeah. Now, it isn't you, really a big bad front out of the box with this. Right. Now, he's got access to four abilities, which I think um, when when you kind of come to list building, I think abilities is one of the first things that I look at. Absolutely. He has yeah. access to four abilities, right? A shield ram, which is after, you know, you make a move, you can roll the dice, and, and that may do some damage. Um, he has the dark pact, which I want to talk about in just a second. He can do the true master's favor, which is if he kills an enemy... Um, he can add one to the attack characteristics of melee attack actions by friendly fighters 
with that are within nine inches of this fighter. So that could be really good if you're bearing down on like a center point and you've got a lot of your fighters in there. That triple could actually be really, really powerful mm -hmm. depending on when you use it. And then he's got the uh, quad, which is the Wrath of the First Prince, which he makes a bonus attack action. And then um, the what's interesting about this is the number of hits that are scored by that attack action, um, you, you take half the value of the ability. So if I roll a six, for example, I can take three normal hits that would have scored a normal hit and turn them to crits. So if I if I had like a four on the ability on the quad, then I could take two and turn them to crits yeah. and stuff like that. I, so I love this quad. It's it's like they knew that people were gonna get confused on it because they give an example in the description of the quad. Like for <laughs> <Right>? example, <laughs> you know, at the end of the description, they had to the spell it out. Yeah, they had to spell it out. Now, Justin, I want to talk about the dark pack because the first thing you saw when you saw this card is like, oh, I hate that ability. If I'm not yeah. mistaken, um, the dark pack. Yeah, that I like his triple, but the dark yeah. pack just doesn't look good. And and that comes from, um, you know, recently playing a lot of monsters where on, you know, a similar um, ability, I, you are not damaging yourself and you're doing three points of damage for every three or four up. Yeah. Yeah. And you're teleporting your exactly. opponent 10 inches wherever <laughs> right. you want them. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that, that ability at all. I'm very curious to hear if you've had experience with it, if it was valuable. Okay, so let me tell the story. <laughs> Jason's going to laugh. Um, so the first time that we played this, I read this, this ability wrong. Because um, what it says is you roll a number of dice equal to the value of this ability for each 3 plus allocate 1 damage point to that fighter right the, the enemy fighter after all the dice have been rolled allocate d3 damage points to this fighter meaning the decuriarch well the way that i read it is i thought it meant this fighter of the one that you just allocated the damage to right so i was like oh wait a minute so i get to roll the dice there's it does a certain amount of damage and then i do an additional d3 damage like this is an amazing double yeah, like this might be, be the great. most amazing. I, I didn't even, I didn't even second guess you. I was just like, I'm gonna ally this guy in every list I have. <laughs> but because he was like sniping, he was yeah. sniping like little, um, little uh, uh, ghouls. He's just like, you're off the board. You're off the board. You're off the board. Um, and then, and then I realized that it, this was not the case for this, and that um, you actually ended up you know, swinging D3 points of damage away from the yeah. enemy fighter and onto yourself. This is an interesting one because, you know, at first I would read it and think, hmm, okay, it's situational. Doubles are doubles are almost guaranteed, right, to have in the game. So if I need to control an objective, i got to kick one little chaff model off. Maybe I hold on to that double just in case I can't kill him and I could use this to try to wipe him at the end. But I honestly think if, if you've got a double and you've got a wild die – I would I would prefer the making it the triple, uh, moving in, knocking the chaff out with you know your two foot. What is he a two five? He's a two five, right? Yeah, yeah. Two yeah, five you, damage. Yep. Two five damage, and then buffing up everyone else who's going to come onto that objective with you. It's just it's it's like it would be extremely low situational for me to want to throw dark pack unless it's like he's already at full health and I just need to do one or two more, more little pokes on a guy to get him off an objective. Or to get him away from me so I can move. 
uh, move out and have my full activations. But you're going to take a D3 burn on it. So I don't know. It's it's only a double. It's like there's so many. There are a couple other things you could do with them. Maybe it's just an extra. But to Justin's point, it's kind of like it ate up a double ability that they could have written a little bit better for these guys. Yeah. Although I, so, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Thematically, if they were Slanesh, I mean, it would be sadomasochism. So. Oh, totally. <laughs> Maybe uh, that there he that's is right. That's a good point. Yeah, 100%. That's a good point. 100%. So here's the thing. I'm going to dissent here. I actually like this ability. I do. I like it. Now, I get it, guys. Like, if you have the monster, you're not going to use this ability, right? Like, that's just a fact of it. Oh, but yeah, if I'm no. playing this faction, no allies in here, you know what I mean? Like, uh, if I'm just playing this faction, I like this ability for the, for the sole purpose that you can free up other fighters as needed. Okay, so what happens yeah, is... Yeah, that's a good point. You get a fighter in, right? He made one move. He's going up, let's say, against like a 10-wound model or something like that, right? He made a move. He did like six or seven points of damage or something like that, right? And that guy's got three points of damage on him. You're going to need to use another activation to get rid of him and then maybe, you know, move away or something like that. With this dark pact, as long as they're like within 12 inches... You could reach out and touch that little enemy fighter that is holding up your other guy, or even your own guy, and kill it with that ability. Sure, you take a couple wounds on yourself, but now you've got some extra movement or something that your fighter needs to do. So I, I see this I see the situation a lot because these guys can hit pretty well. I mean, a lot of them are doing 2-5 damage, 3-5 damage. Like they're, you know, they've got some beefiness in their swings. But if you think about it, a lot of them are like three swings, you know, toughness four or five, and they do two five damage or three five damage. So they're probably going to be doing seven to eight damage. Well, on a ten wound fighter, you got two left. This dark pact ends up taking care of those little dudes. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we're. I don't. I don't think I would argue that there's not utility in it. I think uh -huh. my question is. Given that there are other doubles in the, or there are other abilities like this in the game for other factions that don't have the burn cost, sure, is this cost effective as an ability for a hundred seventy point model to use? The only one hundred of the hundred seventy point, uh, sorry, only one of the models in this warband out of the box that's one hundred seventy points relative to the other ones, and that I just don't know yet. But I think you absolutely described a good scenario where it would come in handy and could be tactically uh, relevant. And, and I think it comes up often, though, is my point. It's not, like, super situational. I think it, in this warband, that situation comes up pretty often. Is I think you guys fair, are though? debating the difference between is it playable in the context of the warband versus right. would you play this warband for this ability? And oh, I no. feel like you're no. kind of, of both right yeah. here in that I would not play this warband for this ability. No. But while playing the warband... I mean, sure, yeah, I would use it. I mean, yeah. doubles yep. can be Good point. trash and still usable sometimes because, you know, you get so many of them in a game. Yeah. No, I, Dan, that's a great point right there. Um, I'm not being like, oh, my gosh, that Dark Pact is so good. I need, I got to play the Chaos Legionnaires. <laughs> it, that's not it at all. But I'm saying if you're playing this, if if you're like, I love these models, I want to play this Warband, I'm playing against a Rottmeyer Creed or a Horns of Hushut, for example, um, the ability to kind of get rid of some of that chaff and get your guys moving, I think, is super important with this warband. Mm 
So would that ability based, you know, if you were building a list off of wanting to free your movements of your guys, would you ally this guy in just for that and the triple? I he's would only for 170 the points, right? I would for the triple. The triple is yeah, potentially points. really yeah. great. And I yeah, mean, look, I the, so the devil's a, the devil's kind of a bonus. It's devil's gravy on that point. Like, yeah. if you yeah. if you absolutely need it, you could totally use the devil. But um, so if you're bringing it for the triple, triple, I mean, the the devil's a nice parting gift, I guess. You know, it is interesting. I mean, I know when I build lists, I I look at I look at doubles all the. T- that's like my main pusher, and I p- typically just because my brain can't think about too many things tactically, I think about only one one major unit I have who I'm going to spend most of my triples on. I said, that's the guy that my triples are going to be for. And the doubles, I look across the warband. Otherwise, I just can't balance. All right, well, if i got a triple, now i got to decide if I want this guy to use it or that guy to use it or that guy. I just pick one. Um, so I think this brings up a point. I'm just going to talk about this with the army or the, the sure. warband overall, and then we can kind of move on to like the mid-tier fighters, which are the... Um, the um horn horn helms oh we we need to talk about goat boy too but um anyway the uh i think the army as a whole they have movement four across the board but i struggled to get these guys in place that i didn't struggle with with the rottmeyer creed who has the same movement like these guys just didn't seem to get to where i needed them to be nearly as much as the other uh other two warbands so I, you know, I, I walked away from our games on Monday saying, what ally can I bring in that would help their help them with their movement? Because I think that's what they really need. And were you saying that specifically about the leader or about all of them together? All of them. All of them oh, together. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. And, and I think that segues us into Goat Boy here because yeah. Goat Boy for me would be the first fighter I would cut. But... You know, that five-inch move, that two-inch range, he's in there for a reason, right? To yeah. be your your treasure grabber, your treasure carrier hunter, you know, the, the guy who runs across the board. Um, I don't think he does that job well enough. But when you're just running this warband right out of the box, you know, it, it is nice to have that one fighter who moves five inches and... Uh, and stabs two inches away, you know, having that seven-inch threat range uh, is nice to have, even though, I, you know, he'd be the first person I would cut. So the joke that we have with this, Dan, is that I have played this, I have played four games with this faction. I have yet to roll an attack dice for him. Uh. <laughs> like, he just dies. Like, I don't know what it is, but I, maybe he looks super threatening or I don't know. But, like, yeah. I'm playing against Jason, who was, um, I mean, who is obviously a veteran Warcry player. And then I'm playing against a new guy who is learning the game. And every time this guy dies before I can even swing the dice. Like, I may move him. And then, like, he just gets, like, pounded on. It's crazy. <laughs> this is hilarious. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I, I think that might a lot of that might just be kind of luck of the draw, but uh, yeah, it does I think seem so too. it does seem like it. Yeah, 
it's just hilarious because I'm just like, well, and I told him after I told Jason after the first game last Monday night, I was like, so yeah, this guy didn't even swing. And he's like, oh yeah, really? That's hilarious. And sure enough, the game that we played, the next very next one, like he killed it like the first round before he even got to do anything. And I'm like, well, yeah. didn't even get a roll for him again, you know? So I mean, pound for pound, he is your least durable fighter, I think, but yeah. uh, not like embarrassingly so. Um, yeah, funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's he's got the same amount of wounds as the as the uh, as the Hornhelms, right? Which is at eighteen, he's got the same toughness as them, but because he has that one extra movement and he's got a strength of five, um, he's one hundred forty five points instead of one hundred twenty. And I'm just not sure that that's worth the extra twenty five points. And he does less damage too. Yeah. Well, Just depending depending bit. on I mean, how you really build close. out, yeah, depending on how you build out. The, well, no, you're right. He does do less damage. Yeah, he does. So yeah, it's that one additional inch reach. And, and his it, his um, ability is nothing to write home about. I mean, it's very situational. You have to make two movements, and then once you do that, you can um, with a triple, you can basically make a bonus attack action. So. Sure, it's kind of nice that you can kind of get him across the board and then also at, le at least take one swing with that, but I don't know that that's worth a triple. I think I would have made that a double. I will. So if I don't shout JJ out here, I will get grief about it. I did lose two Goat Boy in a game of Bloodmarked. Really? Where my opponent, uh, his name's JJ, great buddy of mine, He, uh, we were playing Bloodmarked. He uh, got a rampage into my leader. I killed the thing that was rampaging into me uh, with my leader and started retreating out of there. And Goat Boy, using his epic <laughs> uh, threat range, his only positive threat range in the whole warband, was able to get to me. I was down to two life, and Goat Boy was able to get to me, roll three dice, and roll the five. Oh. <laughs> So, All right. um, yeah, so Goat Boy did win a game for my opponent. But in general, we've been pretty down on Goat Boy. We, uh, we've been giving him a lot of grief. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you've got basically your, you know, your chief in the Dakuri arc. You've got Goat Boy, who is your, I would say, your elite fighter. Um, and then we move into the Horn Helms, which are kind of a cheaper version of elite fighter. There were, there are 120 points. Uh, toughness four, 18 wounds, movement four. Um, they've got two builds here. There's an axe build and a mace build. Uh, Justin, looking at the cards, if you were to if you were to choose one or the other, how would you build these? Mm. Both have similar movement and defense and health. Mm -hmm. Yep. But the one has the strength five. Um, yeah, the axe. Yep. Yeah. And one and one. At only five more six. points. Yeah. D definitely, I would go with the, the higher strength. Yeah. Yeah, they had they both have the same attack characteristics at three, right? Mm -hmm. So the axe has the strength of five. The mace is the strength of four. Now the base damage on the mace is a three crit is five versus the axe is the base damage two crit six. I like, I mean, I, I like them both. I think these are 
I was saying before of what are the reasons you would take this warband. These two fighters, I think, are the reasons you take this warband. Mm-hmm. Um, it just how the math works out. The the mace does more damage against toughness three, uh, and the axe does more damage against four and five, and then they do the same against toughness six. So, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of it's kind of a wash based on what you expect to be playing against. So I do think it's worth doing a mix. You know, but it's it really is just based on like what you're more afraid of out there. Um, personally, yeah. I think the mace looks cooler, but <laughs> that's my only thing there. But what are we more afraid of? The fighters that are toughness three, or the fighters that are generally toughness four and five? I mean, in the game right now, sure. But like, Sl- like Slanesh is really good. You might play against a bunch of them in your local meta. Um, Toughness 6 is really good. Like, you might have a bunch of Vindictors that are running around in your area annoying you, right? Lots of people play uh, just a Dominion box. Um, I'd much rather have the Mace against the Dominion box, for example, just because of all of that 6, where you do the same damage, but you're paying 5 less points for it. Um, it's pretty marginal stuff, but... You know. yeah. So, let me, let me throw a, a thought out there for you, Dan. What if you combine these guys with you know, like the leader's triple that gives them both an additional attack. So now you're looking at fours with their profiles. So they have four swings. Does that change anything? Uh, I don't think so, because right now they're still on the same number of attacks. So at least which does more to which toughness doesn't change. Um, and maybe I'm also biased because I hate the 2-6 damage profile. Um, just in general, I don't like it because it's so swingy. Uh, but that's more of a, like aesthetics preference in terms of how i like my games to go yeah i i think it's an interesting consideration because you know if you if you bump those guys to four you know and let's say the the five guy gets three hits in and i'm not talking crits three hits in it'd be two four six right and the four guy only gets two hits in it's three six uh so i i feel like if you buff them up then the 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 mace guy might actually be a better stack up against toughness fours because you know you'll have a better if you get an, the same amount of hits in um, you'd be getting three six nine instead of six with three hits. Just a thought. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Um, I, you know, th- there's two of these guys that come in the box, so you could do one and one. Um, I personally went with two axes when I built these, uh, just for what, exactly what Justin said. I feel like um, the things I fear out there are more toughness four and five than threes, uh, and so I wanted them to be able to um, res- be able to sp- respond to that. Now, I will say that if you're going after chaff with these mod- these two kind of models, the the horn helms, I would go with the mace because the base damage three is much better against those toughness threes as well, right? Like you're going to do a way more damage against toughness three with that mace because, you know, like uh, three hits on that, like you've got, you're, you're almost killing, you're killing most of the chaff that's out there with the exception of a couple that are, you know, maybe 10 wounds, that type of thing. Yeah, well, two hits will kill a nobbler. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Whereas you'd have to get three hits with the axe. To kill that nobbler. Yep. 
Yep. Right. That's a good point. So it's uh, something something to consider when it like who are you going after? Are you going after the toughies or are you going after chaff? Yeah, and, maybe that's really a deciding factor here. Yeah. And I think that's good to think about, like, as you de- deploy them, like, this is my dude who I need to send after the little dudes. This is my dude who I need to send after the bigger dudes and uh, play it accordingly. And one thing you mentioned there real quick, which I think is the thing to focus on with these guys, is they come two to a box. I really think that these guys are by far the best thing in the warband. Mm-hmm. Um so they're the number one reason to get two boxes, I think, is to be able to run four of them. Um, or just convert convert up other things. I don't know if you would just like put bells and whistles on some of the other ones. If you would maybe cut off Goat Boy's horns and, <laughs> um, and give Goat Boy like a... Oh, here's just what you do. Just give him a corn head. A corn here's what you do. Head. You cut off... Oh, yeah. You, you give Goat Boy like a corn head. And then you cut the uh, the spear tip off of his spear, and you glue the mace tip from one of the little guy's maces. We're, we're getting rid of the little guys here. And then you cut Goat Boy and one of the little guys. Uh, you get to bring in an ally at that point, and now you have a third horn helm. Okay. Anyway. Mm. Interesting. Just yeah, I see. I'm seeing that. Yeah, yep. yeah. That's I how think you these horn helms this. are great. Yeah. Like okay. whether you take the axe or the mace, I don't think you're gonna lose either way. I think you're doing right. great with both of them. Um, yeah, yeah so I think that's convert, a good point. Make another horn helm. Got it. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. And um, what's interesting is that uh, we've said for a while, Dan, that like Warcry has a mid-tier fighter problem. Right, in that, like, those mid-tier fighters, they're just not worth their points. Like, they're cost 100 to 175 somewhere in there, and they just don't have the profile to support that. Um, they end up kind of being a wet noodle. They, you know, maybe their toughness isn't right. Their movement's not right. They just um, haven't been that, – that mid-tier fighter hasn't been great. I think these guys are kind of buck that trend, though. Yeah, I think other than the fact that mid-tier fighters get blown up by monsters, like, for free, uh, <laughs> which yeah. is a totally separate conversation to have, I think they mostly fixed the mid-tier fighter problem uh, in Warcry, which is really cool to see. Uh, and, you know, a lot of tournament organizers are moving towards not having monsters, which I think is kind of a shame, but it is what it is. And in those cases, you know, mid-tier fighters become you know, the bee's knees again. I will say that um, these two guys, when I played with them in my game against Jason last Monday, one of them got absolutely annihilated by the tyrant, the ogre tyrant. He's basically a monster, though. <laughs> oh, he <Yeah>. is. <laughs> I mean, Jason also rolled, like, two crits and a hit or something <laughs> like that, and it was just like, well, I'll just pick him up now. Like, <laughs> it was so bad. And then the other one took a huge blow from the Gut Lord, um, the gut lord which is also a monster unto yes. himself. He's got a 510 sure. profile. Jeez. Yeah. yeah, he's so, a great monster hunter. Yes, yep. yes he is. And Jason did a good job of um, just annihilating my guys with him. <laughs> so, you know, that was fun. It's a tough stack up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he took a beating and forced him to have to attack twice. So that yeah. that was kind of a win. Hey, I know, I know we're talking Legionnaires, but 
Jason, in, in seven seconds or less, what are your thoughts on ogres this edition? Because, um, <laughs> well, I just want to I just want to hear your thoughts. Uh, I you know I went into that game. I just said I want I don't I've been playing flesh eaters a lot this uh-huh. edition, and I said I just want to do something else. So I said I'm gonna put together a list where I can actually cram a tyrant monster in. I call it a tyrant monster, right? Because they are freaking 315 right. points. That's... Yeah, they're crazy. <laughs> So I, I I tweaked it. I brought a tyrant monster. A tyrant monster. I brought a tyrant. I brought a gut lord. I brought a um. What's the leader of the lead belcher? Th- Thunderfist. Yeah, yeah, right. Thunderfist. Uh huh. So three big dudes and then four nobblers, and that's all I could fit in the list. And it was like nine eighty five or something, something like that. And uh, the match we played, um, those that tyrant and that gut lord. Oh man, they they. Scary. Scary. They were scary, and I'll tell you what was the most scary is because those guys hit so hard that they can kill. They they have a good probability of killing something on their turn, and the ogres have a double for leaders that says if you kill something, you can make a bonus move or a bonus attack. Yeah. So throw you can throw the gut lord of the tyrant engaged with two units. If you know you're going to kill one, you're going to be able to knock down another one and potentially kill two in one turn. And that I did that nice. multiple times. That's that's a significant yeah. double. For those yeah. big heavy hitters, that that makes them, I mean, compete for monsters at that point because they've got almost a guaranteed three activations around, and they're back to back. Yep, yep. And uh, the fact that he had a tyrant and a gut lord on two different sides of the board, it's not like I could avoid yeah. both of them. I will say, yeah. and last thing I'll say, noblers are exactly what I always say the chaffer for, right? They're for controlling movement of the opponent. But uh, the the thunderfist, I was very underwhelmed with yes. you know they super nerfed the shooters in in ogres and i felt it when i was playing it i'd rather take a dire wolf or something i think i i honestly think i would split that guy and either find an ally in destruction or uh or yeah just split him up and get more units on the board for more activations those yeah. yetis and the gorgers are really good still i too. love yetis uh and yeah. i that that bounce ability of yetis is so so useful in terms of tactics or uh, yeah right in the right in the middle just to be able to jump six inches yeah you know, second best ability so in the game agreed. It's, it's amazing but that so that's that's my quick uh thought yeah. on overs need to put, get some more time on the time on the field with them. i think i yeah i think they're i think they're very good it's just a different build than what it was on 1-0 very different build so the I, this is a question for Dan, but actually for any of you, does anybody aware of a, a mid-tier uh, warband placing strongly in a tournament in 2.0? Vindictor Tribal. <laughs> there was a Kansas City tournament, and so I mean we're talking about do we even count Stormcast as mid-tier, right, or mid mid-size, but. Um, yeah, they held a tournament in Utah uh, just a little bit ago, a couple weekends ago, where uh, Stormcast beat all the monsters there. Uh, whether it was a Stormcast list that had mostly Annihilators, or there was another list that ended up winning that beat uh, both a War Hydra and uh, one of the Chaos... Or no, 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 a uh, Dankhold Trogoth, like, kind of soupy destruction list. Huh. Um, and I think Stormcast in general, you know, if you're willing to call them mid-tier, uh, I think Stormcast are really, really good. Yeah, they're mid-tier elite. Yeah, yeah. right, <laughs> right. The yeah. Upper, upper middle class. <laughs> so, um, so just wrapping up the 
Chaos Legionnaires, the chaff models that we have are the uh, Horn Shields. They come in three different flavors. At 95 points, you've got one dude with a sword. At 95 points, you've got a dude with an axe. And 100 points, you've got a dude with a mace. Um, Jason, looking at the cards, who would you like? What would your build be? What do you like? That's a. I'm been struggling with this one because, like I said a minute ago, uh, my chaff I don't use for attacks. I uh-huh. use them to control movements and, and board board space. I I use them to. I'll say it better. I use them to control my opponent's activations. Okay. Right by forcing them to do attacks on them or disengages or, or things like that. And I look at these guys and they're they're so expensive for that purpose. I mean, ninety five and a yeah. hundred is really now they're going to survive. But I typically don't care if my chaff survive, and mm. you know I'm I'm used to chaff being like fifty to sixty. Yeah, they all they all have really the same. Expensive. They all have the same toughness profile at five. They all have the same wounds at twelve, and they all have the same movement at four. Yeah. The difference between them, right, is that what's your strength and what's your damage. Yeah, it's, I would build the hundred, the hundred point guy that that with the um, does the two four because at that point, at that point value. I got to use him more for more than just the chaff. He's got to have a, an extra roll there for me. So I need to have that two four, not the one three or the one four. Because just any any model that only does one point on their normal hit is just not, you're just not doing anything. Yeah, Justin, what do you think? Well, in the world of Gur, you know, defense five on your cheaper models is pretty valuable, but they're still not exactly cheap mm-hmm. yeah and they don't really put out a lot of damage um i don't i i would overlook these guys but if i had so, to take so them, you wouldn't yeah I, if you, so if you yeah so if you had if, to take them if i had to take them i mean that that all three of them are are um useful if you're fighting a monster in my opinion yeah Oh well, how so? I'm curious. How so? Well, unless you're fighting a chimera, then they're not worth anything. <laughs> but but, <laughs> but, uh, but besides the chimera who has that strength six, the rest of the monsters they don't have that strength six. And yeah. Yeah. So, some of these, especially if you've bracketed the monster at least one, these things become really scary for that monster player. Um, and that's yeah. the world that we live in right now for this season. That's and I'm happy point. we have monsters for a season. Um, but I, I I don't expect them to be in future seasons. But um, but in the world of monsters, these guys are valuable. I think. That's a good point. I didn't think about I didn't think about them in aspect of monsters because yeah, they'll they'll lock up a monster base and they'll potentially survive and keep it stuck. Is that what you're talking about, Justin? Yeah, they'll keep it stuck and they'll burn its activations and then the opposing yeah. player's potential monster or tyrant or whatever its big thing will uh, be able to capitalize on that and come in and use its you know, attacks on the mm, monster. That's so, a good point. Um, that's the same reason why um, the, the Nurgle lists can be helpful against monsters too because they're resilient. So they're like yeah. mini monster hunter support units. Yeah. Um, or the there's iron breakers. I think they have a five. Um, some of the dwarves are really good against that. Yeah. But defense becomes really important when you're fighting most monsters. Uh, and 
except for the Chimera, um, then it, you got to be defense six and have a lot of wounds. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think in its to what you just said, it's worth separating out fighting Chimeras versus fighting other monsters. Uh, I think a lot of the uproar around monsters is because the Chimera is legitimately too good. But other monsters I don't think are too good. I think other monsters are reasonable to play against. You just have to kind of have a plan and bring fighters that can, you know, execute your plan against them. And yeah, that's that's a great shout that these are pretty interesting against non-Chimera monsters. They kind of look like they're designed to fight monsters too, right? I mean, who's scared of a spike on your shoulder except for the monster that's going to try to take a bite out of you? Yeah. <laughs> Unless you go to headbutt them in the shoulder, which makes total sense, right? Uh-huh. Total sense. Yep. Total sense. Well, um, in terms of ranking where the Chaos Legionnaires fit, like I, you know, Warbands out there, I think they're solid middle tier. I don't know that um, they definitely aren't like an A tier list here. Um, is there an, is there an ally that you would like to bring into these to like bump them up to that next tier though? I mean, how much time you got, right? I know, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of like the idea out, yeah. of kicking out the um, the various cheap guys and Goat Boy, making a third, uh, a third of the kind of one twenty point, one twenty five point guys, and then you just see what how much points you have left. I think at yeah. that point you'd have room either for a monster or for two pretty elite kind of. I'd want something fast, uh-huh. you know. Um, I don't think I'd want to spring for, let's say, like an enlightened aviarch. I don't think I'd want to pay that kind of kind of points for that. But you know, like a slangor slakehorn or a varengard. I know varengards are the same points cost as aviarchs, but just kind of spitballing something fast though. They need a yeah. fast friend. I, I think they do. I, one thing that we didn't talk about is their reaction, which is basically that if like an, when an enemy model comes within three inches of your guy, you can make a bonus mo- use your reaction to have one of your fr- friendly models make a bonus move, and that bonus move has to finish within one inch of that other model that that enemy model that just came within you. Um, I tried to use that quite a bit with my. Um, horn horn shields, right? Because their attacks weren't fantastic. But to be able to get the horn helms into position to where they could actually do some damage, I thought was decent. Um, so you asked me a while ago, Dan, like if I actually used reactions very often. I felt like with this warband, I was using trying to use the reactions a little bit more just to get that bonus movement out of them. You know, so... Um, yeah, but I agree. I think in terms of allies, like they need something that's going to move because like, like I said at the very beginning, I just felt like these guys just were never in the position that I really wanted them to be in. And that was my, that's probably the most damning thing for me. Like I love, I love the aesthetic of them and I want to play them, but I just didn't feel like they're getting to where they wanted to be. And I know what you mean about how sometimes two fighters with the same move, one will just feel like it's getting to where it goes better. Like, I've been playing Annihilators a lot, and they're only move three, but they just feel like they're getting where they need to go. And I think it's just because they have so much gravity on the board, right? They're just so scary that um, they project this bubble that 
you know, your opponent is terrified to come within four inches of them. And when you're, when you're playing three inch move things that don't have that bubble of do not enter, uh, then all of a sudden it's, it's like they're even slower, right? Because they yeah. aren't scaring your opponent as much. Yeah, totally. Totally. Or you play a, like a protector, for example, that's got a three inch threat, like weapon range. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it moves three inches. It Like that feels like it can move to where it needs to be, even though it's much slower than it actually is. Right. So, um, yeah, definitely. Well, thank you guys for your insights on the Chaos Legionnaires. We hope you, our listeners, got something out of it. Uh, if you like the models, I would say buy them. But if you're looking for a competitive warband, um, this warband's going to need some help. It, straight out of the box, it's not going to be the most competitive uh, looking out there. I think that this would be a very, very fun narrative warband to play though i think they'd be a lot of fun narrative i, now, I think one there's cool thing oh go on go, yeah i think bringing in allies with that triple that the leader has the yeah. formoroid crusher and the ogroid mirrodon with one extra attack that's pumped up at nine inches away in a bubble is could be pretty Ooh, scary like of a list actually yeah yeah, yeah. And, and kind of to make us eat our words, there was actually, I think, the second place list from the most recent tournament in Warhammer World that Justin won. Uh, it was either the second place or the third place list, but the one, one of the two that had three wins and a draw uh, was actually running four of the 120-point guys, so the guys who were actually good, uh-huh. and then the leader, and then, um, and then a big ally and mm. a big fast ally and so they did really well um i think just running only the very best fighters now you'd have to have two I, you wouldn't even be able to um convert that you'd have to have two boxes of the warband to put that together but yeah but it can be done they they did really well and um yeah why don't we talk a little bit more about that warhammer world tournament yeah 100 percent. so uh justin you recently got back. I mean, this was the uh, end of November, I think, right? Uh, that you were at Warhammer World um, for this tournament. Now, how did, like, I'm going to be honest with you, this was not on my radar until I started seeing Dan post about it. Um, how, A, how did you, like, find out about it? And, like, what did it take to get over there? Yeah. Um, at some point, I've played, I play AOS as well. And um, yeah. at, I don't know, at one of the AOS um, tournaments that I've played in the last year, I, I got on some kind of listserv. <laughs> so um, I get emails and um, the Games Workshop email came out saying this is going to be the biggest Warhammer or Warcry uh, tournament. And um, so pretty excited. And uh, um, my wife has spent a lot of time in Europe and in England, and I hadn't ever. So I was like, well, this is a good excuse to go. But uh, Uh, yeah, that's very nice of your wife to let you go to Europe without her, because my wife would have been like, there is no way you're only buying one ticket, sir. (laughs) (laughs) I invited her, but she already lived there for a couple years. So she was like, it's okay. I'm good. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was a day of, um, flying and, uh, and, uh, I got there a a day and an evening. So I got there in the morning, um, and stayed awake, 
um, the morning of Saturday and, and uh, explored Nottingham, which was pretty awesome. Cool. Um, I got a drink of beer in a thousand-year-old pub that's built wow. in, into these caves. Jealous. I know, right? These this this pub is a, is the oldest pub in England. It's these caves dug underneath Nottingham Castle. So there's a good chance Robin Hood, you know, drank beer in the same place. And Incredible. uh <laughs> it, That's so and cool. It was cool. And then and then Warhammer World. And so I anyway, so I I explored Nottingham the city. Um just got an Airbnb for 50 um, around 50 bucks at, with a nice British couple, just a room. And, uh, and I mean, that was a fun experience as well. They were great. And, and, uh, I kind of pub crawled cause I'd, it'd been a dream always to, uh, drink beer in England and, um, and then went to sleep and got up and did the tournament. And the next day I was on a train through England back to the airport. Um, so, you know, it was a four day event and uh, most of it was travel but um, it was pretty awesome so tell me a little bit about warhammer world like this is like become sort of my mecca right like i i i hear everybody who goes to warhammer world how amazing it is and i i kind of want to i mean i feel like i need a pilgrimage there at one point you know, the airfare is not any more expensive than flying a lot of places just in the continental United States. That's the crazy really? thing. I mean, it was Oh my not... God, don't tell me that. I'm oh, not no. joking. Now I have to right. look. <laughs> I'm looking right now. And, and, the, and then, you know, the hotels that we pay for when we go to these conventions in the United States are three or four times more expensive than just a cheap Air, Airbnb. So um, it was relatively affordable and worth it to go out there it just seems like it's intimidating but if you crunch the numbers it's it didn't seem like that big of a deal especially did for you... a cool life experience oh yeah for sure did you fly into london or like i flew into, into birmingham and they okay. have a train station um at, attached to the airport so you just you just oh, get nice. off the air, air the airplane and you go and it's all in english so <laughs> we're we're yeah. covered and um and the train will take you through the countryside uh, to nottingham and it's a cool ride and um the as far as warhammer world they have a just such a cool complex it's really worth going um they've built a pub that serves breakfast and lunch and dinner, I believe. I didn't stay for dinner, but um, it's a it. You're, it looks like you're walking into a a D and D, you know, pub. Um, yeah. Or tavern, and it's got all this Warhammer fantasy memorabilia on the walls, like severed heads of monsters, and they've got all the beer that is named after different famous characters or creatures and uh really good food and you can go and get a beer and bring it back into the event hall um and they've got a fireplace with i mean it's it's just such a cool experience they've done just an exceptional job of making a um just the pinnacle of the theme that draws us into warhammer wow i'm yeah that's just you painted a really good picture of it by the way i i felt like i was there and i can't 
wait to go sometime. Warhammer Fest, I don't think I can actually go, but man, I wish I could. <laughs> so, it's, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. No, I mean, I'm just saying it's 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 worth it for to go once. And and the the other thing that motivates me to do these things is um, I want to reward these companies that are risking, you know, themselves, the, the folks that are part of these companies to, to create these products that um, and they do it for a living, but it's also a risk. And they're putting out products that are just, you know, so enriching to all of our lives. And it even if it's not the most affordable, it's, um, you know, you're, you're contributing directly to the, uh, a part of our community that, uh, and you're rewarding it. So, um, I see it as a, as a way to kind of almost like a Mecca experience to kind of invest yeah. in an uh, important part of our, our lives. Yeah, that's an important point. Cause right. It's, it's it's not it's not just about take 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 uh, an opportunity to give back and have a great experience while you do it. That sounds like um, a real good way to do that. Yeah, think, de um, definitely. And, like, well, and, okay, I, and I, I did get a chance to talk to to Phil Kelly while I was out there, and um, he's he's the I think uh, he leads the Warhammer fantasy slash age of sigmar lore stuff and he's tied into warcry design oh, development as well and he was playing in the tournament he actually got first place because he he uh got lots of points for favorite game <laughs> oh, <laughs> cheater, cheater. i think he got four favorite game votes he played four yeah. games and got four favorite game votes yeah. Just oh mind-blowing he deserves it because he was not just there as the designer, but he had his own specially modded, beautiful um, uh, kind of um, Native American themed. Uh, what are the skeleton guys? The the bone the reapers. Bone reapers right? yeah, yeah, they they were awesome. He had a whole backstory. He talked on and on and was just thrilled with all the lore. And um, he just had such a heart for the lore and. Um, of, of Age of Sigmar and of Warcry, and he was he talked at length about how he was just really enthused with Warcry and and wanted to pour a lot more into it. So great experience. How Sounds many, like we need to get him on the podcast, Jason. It certainly does. It certainly, and we have a connection now, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. 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 He, <laughs> he yeah, did. He did ask me for some input on um, some suggestions as far as. Uh, war cry and balance did, did and design us? and i <laughs> plugged you both i plugged oh, you look at you. <laughs> salty sea and your podcast and um warren's um group of guys the dayton war yeah. cry club mm -hmm. i said yep, you yeah. need to watch these folks and listen to them um because anything that i've gotten it really has been gleaned from most of your guys's musings now, well phil kelly if you're listening review, yeah. Give us a call. <laughs> <laughs> so, so one thing I, I I don't want to get into like the blow by blow like each game and things like that, but um, from a tournament organizer standpoint, right? The, having done the Nova Open, I'm curious how your experience with the tournament was. So, like, how was registration? How was like get, you know getting set up at the tables, the opponents, like. 
How was your tournament experience? Well, they used Best Coast Pairings, which is great. Um, uh -huh. the, the, so the registration was relatively easy. Um, they had some cool swag when we arrived and, and neat little prizes. You know, I loved um, just the Dogs of War. That did you, you guys went to the Dogs of War um, uh, tournament event, right? The narrative? Yeah, yeah I was, was there. They had their little self-made um, uh, thematic prizes, and I loved those. Um, one of the things I've uh, my family has asked is, "Oh, you won! You won another tournament? Did they give you any money?" <laughs> and, nice. um, and I've told them no, and I hope they never do because um, I love that Warcry is so focused on just a bunch of folks getting together and having yeah, fun. That's a good point. And if you add money to that, it's going to completely change the dynamic. So it really does. Yeah, Magic just... is my other gaming love, and yeah. I do, I love it. And they give money for tournaments, and they advertise how much money the winner gets. And you know what? Tournaments are not the good part about Magic. <laughs> the tournaments are not as fun. <laughs> yeah, and that's the opposite. I mean, the guys that I played with, at, at um, it's actually been consistent both in the states and there. Um, the, folks were just there to have fun. Everybody was playing hard and trying to win um but uh the, but we had full conversations and that's funny i talked to one of the guys and he said he was a magic big magic player and he said this is so different than a magic tournament w partners when we play each other we don't even talk and the game is over and they'll just get up and leave they won't even say goodbye and that is just diametrically different than than what mm -hmm. i experienced it yeah I mean, I met guys just hanging out in the pub. We just sat down next to each other, never met each other before, and we just started talking and laughing. And and as I played through the tournament, I mean, some of the, you know, they they weren't ready for the Chimera. And um, it was a, a bloodbath. <laughs> but we were laughing all the way through it together. So um, it was a good experience. Yeah. How many That's people were there playing Warcry? Yeah, I think, was it, Dan, do you remember 32, 30? Yeah, 30? Yeah. yeah, 32. 32. So, so what's interesting to me is that it was a four-round tournament, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. If it if you had 32 players, I would do five rounds. I would, I, I would absolutely do five rounds. I would have been happy for five rounds. Yeah, they, yeah. they wanted to make it, l like, very chillax, laid back, um, but that we started relatively late, which was nice for me because I flew in and I was tired. But um, uh, but if they would have started at eight or nine in the morning, and we would have had so much time to both yeah. have re not really strict time constraints, um, but also get in five games. And and these games yeah. are so quick. It it would it would have been great. I like the idea of five rounds definitely. Yeah, and I mean, if, I think if you have anything less than 32 players, you can do four rounds and still have like a very clear winner. The problem is, is that you could have two four and one players and the deciding factor has to go to like something like kill points or strength of schedule or, you know, so, something like that, which I hate to see a tournament that's that big end on kill points. 
you know what I mean, or models killed or something like that. I would rather, I would rather them, like even if you did four rounds for everybody and then one championship match that everybody could kind of grab a drink and watch the two players play, like I still would rather do that. I like the idea one of a day. championship round. <laughs> Uh, yeah. round that would be really fun if folks could grab a drink and sit around and and cheer on the the last game kind of like a little super bowl yeah i think it'd be cool yeah definitely because it with with four rounds 32 players you're gonna have two four and one players um you know unless there's a draw in there somewhere uh so we sort of had that at the finals of nova because justin and i didn't get started with our finals until everybody was about right. halfway through their round. Yep. Um, so by at least our fourth round, I think we had, you know, a solid 10, 12 people watching. That was, yeah, really that was fun. a lot of fun too. It was <laughs> it a lot was. of fun. Like, yeah. you know, being like, Oh my gosh, why is he moving that guy there? Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> 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 So yeah, that's uh, that's pretty good. So uh, overall, you would say that, that like your your opponents were it sounded like that they were high quality opponents that you played. Um, what did you think about the kind of English meta versus the American meta? Well, I mean, this is anecdotal because I only played with a yep. few people, but um, well, and I hung out with some folks too. Um, and actually. Two of the folks that I played with weren't from England. They had come in and for the tournament. Um, uh, they were from Denmark or the Netherlands. I forget one of those nor northern places. Denmark, I think it was. Um, but uh, I thought it was very similar. Um, there was a number of warbands that were just really well uh, either modded and and or painted and I've seen that yeah. at our our um, our tournaments here in the states folks were really f friendly and outgoing and we were all chatting away um, uh, it was a, a very similar spirit in my opinion that's cool um, did you see any like significant differences in lists that you would have thought of like so for example I, I did a recent podcast in our talking Warhammer segment uh, last week and Phil Kelly who's from the UK won the uh, Age of Sigmar US Open like well one of the one of the brackets anyway and he came to the United States with a Slaves to Darkness list that is not played in the American meta at all and in fact he went up against Scooter Walters who's a friend of the show and had to play him twice because Scooter hadn't lost and it was kind of a double elimination tournament and uh, after the first game, Scooter said to Phil, I have never seen this list ever played before, and I'm just ha I'm trying to figure it out. You know, so um, it's interesting how different parts of the world may have different metas. Um, did you feel like there was anything significantly different than what you've seen in the States, or for the most part, like our folks figuring out interesting combinations and different models, but nothing too surprising from what you saw? I've noticed at the tournaments here and this uh, here in the states as well as at England at this point, um, War Warcry players come in with either really tuned lists um, that are very focused yeah. on being competitive, um, out of the box lists, or really really hobby lists. 
that they're mm. really into either the lore and or conversion and they make really neat stuff and they paint it and i saw i've seen that at in both environments honestly yep uh, yeah I agree with you. Those are really the three archetypes you see. There's, <laughs> and it's usually about one third, one third, one third too. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which is cool. It's a lot of flavor. It's, it's it was it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's funny because with the Nova Open, um, we knew that there was going to be a narrative war cry event, and when I found out that the like grand tournament was kind of taken off the docket because of the narrative i said i, I want to try to get a competitive war cry tournament in there as well for those for folks who want to bring your filthy lists and really try something hard and play it and yet what we got at our tournament was almost that same breakdown of the third 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 right like you had the hobbyists you had like the people who were kind of playing a, a fun narrative game you had the people who wanted to play a competitive game and um they're just different lists and... The old, the one thing you don't see, which I think I might become this player, is you don't see the people who are playing really tuned lists, but where the list, the point isn't to be the most competitive thing. The point is to have some kind of wild combo going on or some, mm. you know, um, like the this is this is one thing I do like for magic <laughs> tournaments is you will get, you know, maybe 10% of the field in a large magic tournament doing something weird where they did put a ton of effort into the list, but it's not, the effort isn't into making the most powerful list. It's into making the, you know, quote unquote, coolest list. Um, and uh, I feel and like catching we... catching people by surprise, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, but mechanically cool. Yep. Um, and yep. I feel like you don't see that all that much at Warcry tournaments. But I hope you do more. And one thing I wanted to talk about uh, was Justin, your opponent in the um, in the finals. I felt like did have a list like that, where they had that slaughter priest going, and they had a bunch of uh, blood reavers, and so. You know, their list was not full of things that I would call the strongest things in the game, but it had a real plan. It was doing really cool stuff, and it felt really tuned, even though, you know, it didn't have a Chimera and it didn't have any Graveguard. Yeah, he had the Skull Hunter as well. Um, so, I mean, he had some power projection um, with a lot of um, defense there. He had a little bit of flooding with those six Reavers. Um, and, and, uh, and the Skull Herald, I mean, he, and the Sla Slaughter Priest is really good. He tried to use that. It just wasn't that effective with the Chimera. Um, mm. but he was a, definitely a, a, a good player. And I, I agree. I, I like the idea of trying to play around with the different mechanics of the game and come up with, um, neat combo solutions. Jason, I, I played you and lost because you were the list I did not want to ma face. And well, I forget what, what was the tournament we played in. You were that was playing at, the Ogres. At Gen Con. Yep. At Gen Con. I had built that list not to win the tournament. It was just to kill the spiders. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and, I, and I knew uh, if I faced the Ogres, they're going to kill me. Because with that, back in the day, the, the fire bellies were the, is that what you call them? The guys with the cannons? The, the they, lead belchers. The yeah. lead belchers. Yeah, those guys. Holy cow! You know, because they had that super valuable ability to 
on a double of to ki- yeah. when you kill something you get another activation and i was like they are gonna eat my little guys up but um but yeah i think that's where i'm going with um tournaments is just trying to play with uh for instance the next one i think is going to be focused on trying to build a either a, a list that's has no monsters that can take out monsters but i've also been really focused on trying to figure out how to build a completely old school bespoke only warband that's can take the take the prize that's not just one old school war band or the bespokes but you can bring allies from other bespokes and make mm-hmm. it completely um and do you count the bespoke allies like the mind stealer or the myrmidon or are those cheating to you what do you think i don't know what do you think i mean they are old school they are i guess yeah, yeah, I, I, I think it's debatable yeah I, i'd count them because they're they're okay. allies, are not monsters, and they were in in the one zero, right? So, yeah, I'd count them. They're very valuable tools. All of them are great. Because mind stealers, I think, are mind stealer. Yeah, all three of them actually are really solid. I think in this edition, the Fomoroid Crusher is really interesting. I like the Myrmidon. I like his two inch reach and his really high toughness. Um, yeah, I like them a lot. And there's a few of the bespoke warbands that I think are really good. That you just don't, at least in the US meta, you don't see people playing them. It seemed uh-huh. like in this Warhammer World event, you saw a little bit more bespoke warbands, but not many. Um, but you definitely don't see people going with like multiple boxes to have all the good options and then right. playing right. the most powerful version of one. Um, other than that, that Legionnaires list that uh, took second in Warhammer World, and then there was a Rottmeyer Creed list that I think was fifth or something. Um, that also did pretty well, but those those were the first times I'd seen people really get multiple boxes and really super tune a list. Yeah, my list I was playing with prior to um, deciding on the Varengard was the Dark Oath Savager uh, with uh, that oh, yeah. eye, the the lady with the eye that can generate extra wild dice. And, uh, I mean, because their leader just is just a monster once he gets buffed up and, uh, Mm -hmm. just a complete chaff killer. Um, and then that, that wizard lady generating extra wild dice for your monster. Oh my gosh. Super valuable. Um, yeah, but ultimately I just went in testing. I, I couldn't, if I, I wanted to keep the warband list low and, um, I couldn't take out other monsters because of the activation and sequencing right. issue. But the Varigard, and this is a guy that I don't think you put on your monster hunting list, but he is so valuable to zoom in because he's got a defense of six or seven. I mean, it's really high. I forget right now, but it's six. He's on the it's rampage six. list, but he's not yeah. on the uh, the other two lists. Yeah. And he's got that his double that does three extra attacks um oh. attack dice so he can zoom into any monster besides a chimera he's got defense six so they're not going to take him out and he can pin them um, because it's really hard to disengage especially on cluttered maps um and pin them and bracket them and uh so he's if he if the mind stealer doesn't get that quad because that's ultimately the most powerful is the mind stealer gets the quad 
and freezes the monster and your monster just goes over there and eats them um, or the if you don't get the quad then your secondary is that um, that Varengard who is just the epitome of a knight riding out to fight the dragon in my opinion <laughs> yeah. oh that's cool yeah 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 very cool well it sounds like it was an awesome uh once in a lifetime event uh do you plan to go back well my i'm in the army and let me our... answer that for you uh yes and we're going with you <laughs> all right let's do it how about this guys so i'm i'm in the army and uh it's our pcs our where you have to change every three years season i haven't been told where i'm going but it, there's a good chance it's europe so if we do land in europe you guys are invited uh, we can awesome. you can come to our place and then we'll we'll take a train out there and and or go through the Sweet. tunnel yeah Oh, I forgot about the channel. Oh, yeah. man, I would like to do that. <laughs> That'd be good. That'd be amazing. So, yeah, I, I, I after hearing your experience, I totally want to go. And uh, so, it, and I would love to build it around something like a tournament, too. Not just like, a, hey, I'm going to stop in and visit and see what's going on. You know, finding an event and being like, let's yeah. go to that event. That Well, it sounds like it would be cheaper than going to LVO. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> it so, is. I mean, the hotels at LVO are just ridiculous. Exactly. We should get a group of us and just go with the intent of taking all the top slots. Oh, that would be hilarious. America versus <laughs> U England. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> if you're listening, Phil, we're coming for you. Yeah, yeah right. we are. And we're bringing our tabletop and beyond dice. <laughs> That's right. Jason, by the way, we have these new Tabletop and Beyond Diets. We're going to start up a Patreon for our listeners uh, here in the in the new year. And we got some custom dice from Baron of Dice. And there are these Tabletop and Beyond. Jason's been testing them out. Let's just say he rolls crits pretty <laughs> often. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's going to watch Dan's video on dice. Yeah, <laughs> you got the square ones. Oh, the all oh, right. Then they're squared away. Right, right. Yep. Yeah. So nice. no, it was really funny. I was I was um, uh, we, we, I was playing my first uh game the other night, and I told you the twist was the Azerite lightning storm, and basically it it said that if your model is not under like its base is not fully under a platform, you have to roll two d six. And on a 10 plus, you get struck by lightning, basically, Oof. and take 2d6 damage, wow. which is a lot of damage. Okay, and um, if you're if, if if you're on a platform, you add plus one for every inch above the ground you are. So if you're like on like a six inch platform, we're playing on red harvest terrain, right? So <laughs> if you're like six inches up there, that's like a plus six. Well, needless to say, we were not climbing on terrain that game, and even still, like I kept rolling, boom, ten. I'd roll the damage, nine damage. You know, Oof. on my oh, little like, man. oh my horn helms <laughs> here. You know, like or the horn shields. They only have twelve wounds, and the freaking lightning's like taking them out. Like, oh, and Goatman died by lightning, of course, so without swinging. You know, <laughs> the he's got those boy. long horns. It's just exactly the, yeah. just attuned to the lightning. There. So lightning rod, yeah. Yeah, so I, the funny thing is, is I'm like, I'm not even rolling with my tabletop and beyond dice. I'm like, <laughs> so it was good times. 
very good times. Well, Justin, thank you so much for coming on the show. This is a great conversation to have with you. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, and I want to. You mentioned your Patreon. I just put out to the listeners. Um, as I said with Games Workshop, I mean, uh, me personally, I just get so much from both your podcast and Dan at the Salty Sea and the Dayton Warcraft Club. I um, and I really encourage folks to support these content creators because really you know it if you've been listening they really add to our, our lives and to our hobby i appreciate a, you saying just a plug that. for you. you yeah man <laughs> for saying it. so yeah that's great well thank you everybody for listening to the show uh our question to you tonight is are we right are we right about the chaos legionnaires we think we are but we're happy to hear your opinion and whether or not you think that uh, we we got it right we'd love to see any creative builds that you have with this uh faction and what allies are you bringing to the table so uh prove us wrong we'd love to we'd love to hear that as well but uh in the meantime thank you everyone for joining us and uh keep the dice rolling have a good night see ya see you guys have a good night good night good talking to you bye